Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. And Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are good, that we serve and worship a good God, despite what we are feeling most of the time and despite our interaction maybe with this world and with ourselves. You are a good God, and we thank you for that. God, we pray that you'd be with us for the next few moments. Would you speak to us? Would you minister to us in a real way? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Uh, Would you give it up for Morgan, Jonathan, and Sydney real quick? Um, Sometimes stuff just decides not to work, and for those of us who are uh, not, uh, we don't know anything about technology, we're like, why is it not working? Uh, But anyway, thank you, Morgan, uh, for that, and Jonathan, and Sydney. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and get to the book of Proverbs. Uh, We're going to be around the book of Proverbs. I'm going to be a little bit all over the place because of our topic tonight. Um, Tonight we are wrapping up uh, a four-week series called Coffee with Grandpa. Raise your hand if you've been here every week of the series. Raise your hand. Wow, look at you faithful goers. You can give yourselves a round of applause for that. Um, Hopefully you learned something and you got really old. So uh, for those of you who are new tonight, if it's your first time at church, I'm really sorry. Uh, If it's your first time at Thrive, I'm really sorry because tonight we're going to talk about uh, money. And uh, some of you are like, oh gosh, the pastor's talking about money. But I want to just say something. I've been leading Thrive for two and a half years. You want to know how many times, how many sermons I've preached on money in here? One. One other one. Miles was there. This is the second one. So um, it's not a normal thing that happens. Uh, But anyway, we're going to talk about it. And so um, as we're jumping in tonight to catch some of you up if you've missed Uh, We're wrapping up this series, and we've used coffee with Grandpa as the idea of if you were to sit down and have a a cup of coffee, if I could talk tonight, that would be fantastic. Um, That's kind of what I have to do for the next, you know, 30 minutes. So anyway, um, if you were to sit down with your Grandpa and, and have a conversation of substance, what were some things, or even Grandma, what would they say, and what is some advice they would give you? Um, We've been looking at the book of Proverbs and saying, man, it's been like having coffee with your grandpa where they're just kind of spitting wisdom uh, and Proverbs is spitting wisdom to us. It's helping us live our lives and make decisions. We've talked about what wisdom is. We've talked about directional decisions without verses. When you don't have a verse, we talked uh, last week about purity, and tonight uh, we're talking about money. Um, And if there's two sermons I would not want to preach, it's talking about sex or money just because of the topic itself. But I feel like we have to do it, and we should do it uh, for a few reasons. One of the reasons, you have lots of questions, and hopefully you do, that money is truly something that you guys, I mean, whether you're a Jesus follower, you just started following Jesus, or you're not, you understand the concept of money. I mean, you think about it a ton. You check your bank account four times a day. Uh, you check, yeah, yeah, amen. You're like, how much is in there? You're like, did anyone put any money in there? Anybody Venmo me today? Uh, you're, you're thinking about, you understand the concept of money. And money is like water, If you don't tell it where to go, it will go wherever it wants. 
it will just find a place to go and it will land there. And money is extremely important. Um, the Bible talks about money really more than any other topic uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see tonight. And for some of you, you have um, some bad experiences with money and maybe with churches and money. And I hope tonight you don't have a bad experience. And if you do, it's not because of what I'm saying, but because of what the Bible says. So um, my grandpa, like I've said every week, if I, were, if I had the ability to sit down with him and talk, he passed away before I was born, never got to meet him. But last week there was a phrase I said that was common about my grandpa, and I couldn't use the phrase because it was kind of inappropriate. But this one, um, I can, it's not a phrase, it's just what was known about him. And I don't think it's inappropriate at all, so I'll share the story, um, or the stories I've had. I've met four people who knew my grandpa outside of my, my family, besides my dad. And every time I would meet them, they would say a phrase about him and who he was, and then they would talk about his dealings with money. Um, my grandpa made a ton of money. I mean, they, they said he was one of the best gamblers at the table. I met a guy a few weeks ago with my dad at the auction, and there was a guy pointing down the thing. He said he used to play cards with grandpa, and grandpa took all his money. Now, my grandpa um, was not a Jesus follower until six months before he died. <clears throat> and leading up to that point, he would gamble, he would make deals, he was probably not honest in those deals. He had loads and loads of horses uh, because he would go to the racetrack and he would gamble on horses. My dad remembers being with him. Now, for how much money my grandpa made uh, working with horses, gambling, um, he lost more than that. In gambling and, and, and being unwise with his money, he lost three farms. Not just a farm with like an acre. I'm talking farms with multiple acres and land and barns and cattle. He lost them because he was unwise with his money. He was gambling with it. And, and in, his, in his own marriages, and he had multiple marriages, he would revert back to money and how there was an issue with money within the marriage. And so I'm not preaching about my grandpa tonight, but I'm using it as an illustration. Uh, some of you would have maybe stories like that or family stories where you have watched someone be unwise with money. And as a result, you've said in your heart or your mind, that's not going to be me. Or on the other side, you've watched and you said, that's an example I can follow. So tonight as we jump in, I hope you get a ton of information, a ton of verses, maybe some tools for your belt, but hopefully it's not just in here. Money is something that is not just an intellectual game that you can understand it, you know how to budget, you know how to categorize it, and then you're good. Because Jesus says money has something way more, way more at play in our own hearts. So, five or six real quick facts about money before we jump in. Number one, Money brings friends. It says in Proverbs 19, 4, wealth brings many new friends. I know this because some of you, you have friends because they have a really nice car, right? How many of you have friends because they go on really sweet vacations and you're hoping, you're hoping that they will ask you? Or you go on really nice vacations and people start to hang out with you. This was big in high school. Yeah, you go on sweet vacations. Everyone's like, what are you doing this summer, man? Right? You, it brings new friends. You already know this to be true. Number two, um, it's from God. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. This is really weird, and we'll talk about this tonight. A rich person and a poor person are from God. 
Does God want you really wealthy and rich, or does he want you really poor and live in a cardboard box? We'll talk about that tonight. Number three, um, it provides freedom. It says, a good man leaves money to his children's children. One time in a sermon, I sent this verse to my dad uh, while the pastor was preaching on it. He's laughing in the back. He's shaking his shoulders. He's like, nope. Uh, so it, it provides freedom, right? And send it to your parents right now. See what they say. Uh, but anyway, um, it does. When there's an inheritance from your family or grandparents, it provides freedom. Number four, um, it comes and goes. Don't toil or work to acquire wealth. When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. How many of you have ever experienced that? You're like, where did it go? You're like, I literally went, on, I went out to eat with some friends, and next thing you know, I got nothing in my account. You have no idea where the money went. Someone gave you something, or you got some Christmas money, you worked all summer, and by October, your bank account's drained. You're on the phone with mom, dad, listen, I know I'm at school, but yeah, no, I know, no, I've watched it. No, I don't know what happened to it. It comes and it goes. Number five, um, it does not satisfy. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with its income. This also is vanity. It teaches in Ecclesiastes, you would already know this to be true. I'm going to talk about this a lot tonight. Whether you have $4,000 to your name, or $40,000 to your name, or $400,000 to your name, you're like, that would satisfy. It won't. It won't. It really doesn't. Money is a constant chase. It's not a bad thing. We're going we're gonna to talk about this. Last thing is this, just to get us going. It can change us. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's not the root of evil, that would be the heart, as it would say in Genesis 3. The heart is deceitfully wicked, or in Jeremiah 17, 9. That money, I said last week this idea, and this, I have seen this take place. Money can make good people bad. Can it? It can make good people bad. It can make people who used to be friends with you, they'll start chasing money, or maybe you'll start chasing money, and now friends don't really matter. Or what used to be someone who had good morals or maybe a good decision-making process, they started needing money, and then everything just went out, went out the door. Um, there are tons of facts about wealth, tons. We could, we could talk tonight, but this is, this is true. If I hold this $1 up, this speaks to you. Yeah, you guys, I'm going to give this out tonight. Check under your chair. I have four $50 bills under your chairs tonight. Go ahead and just reach it. Some of you, someone's looking. Um, this, <clears throat> this speaks to you, doesn't it? Even if it's a dollar, because a lot of you guys are like, yeah, I don't care. When I started working when I was 10, guess how much I made an hour? One dollar. And I said, Dad, can I make two dollars an hour? He said, you want a 100% raise and you haven't worked one hour. I was like, valid, valid. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> this, this speaks to you, doesn't it? A $10 bill. You're like, okay. I remember, is minimum wage still like $19 an hour or is it like around 10? I don't know, but uh, this speaks to you. 10 bucks, you can, uh, you can get a gallon of gas for this nowadays, right? It, it speaks to you. And then lastly, as always, I don't, I don't have a lot of these, but a $100 bill. I'm going to go ahead and give this to Stephen tonight. To, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, that was a joke. That was a joke. Um, no, but this, the $1 bill, you guys are still talking to your neighbor. The $10 bill, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, he's probably going to pull out another one. It, right? It just, it's, it gets your attention. When someone talks about money, it gets your attention. 
And this is what you need to know on the outset tonight as we even start to talk. God's bank account is not running low. It's not running low. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And here's what's important. When we start to talk about money in churches, people are like, oh, the church wants, wants the money. The church needs the money. God, why does God need the money? I thought he was like a big deal. Why would God need our money? I thought he was God. Is his bank account like low and why does he need mine? Jesus talked about money more than heaven and hell combined. He had 38 different parables or stories or teachings he would have. 16 of them were about money. Not one time, one time, did he ask for someone's money. He was out for something and he was after something and it was not your money. It was not your money. It was not my money. His bank account is not running low. It is not about, it is not about you um, giving God money because without your money, he can't do what he needs to get done. God will get done what he wants to get done, where he wants to get it done. It just is usually contingent upon do you want to get involved in that. Money is, is crazy important in the Bible. There's over 3,000 verses, I believe, in the Bible altogether about money. Um, it's extremely important. So we are not talking about money tonight because this church needs more money, okay? Um, <clears throat> this church is extremely blessed. We're not taking a tithe tonight. I'm not going to, you know, bring out a song. Let's run the song back, you know, pass the plate. We're not, we don't do that here. Um, we're not, it, it's not any of that. And it's not like I'm after your money. I'm really not. I don't, I don't care if you give it to I don't want it. I would never take your money. Um, tonight, this is why we're talking about it tonight. Because if you have, and I have the wrong perspective of money, it can really ruin your life. It can ruin your life. And Solomon lets us learn from him. Um, in, in Ecclesiastes 2, last week we talked about regrets from Solomon, a sex addict, Tonight, we'll talk about regrets from Solomon who had it all. And this is as we jump into Proverbs. He says this, I built houses and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks. A park. I mean, we could get into 1 Kings. This guy made, I mean, parks. Not just like a little, I don't know what you make in your little garden you got from uh, Home Depot or Harville Hard where you got one of those little things and you, you know, put it in. It's kind of cute. You take a picture of it and you're like watering it every day. Solomon built parks. He has more money. They estimate around two trillion dollars he was worth at this time. He had more money than you've ever thought of having. He said, I had great possessions of herd and flocks. I gathered for silver and gold in the treasures of kings. I got singers and became great and surpassed all who were before me. Singers. I mean, you, okay, the only way you can understand this, some of you went to Country Fest. Country Fest came to this dude's house and performed for him. Um, you go to a concert, concerts came to his house. This guy had, I mean, you, you're trying to run around and buy a ticket and blow all your summer savings. I don't know what you guys paid for Country Fest, probably 300 bucks, and there's 28,000 people there. Country Fest would be paying him money to go to his house and perform. He had, he had it all. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expanded. All this was vanity and a striving after the wind. Solomon had the money that you will never have. He won't, or, or you won't. He had the money you won't have. 
He had the possessions you will not possess. And at the end of his life, this is what he said. It was all vanity. It was a striving after the wind. It left me, we'll talk about at the end tonight, it left me empty-handed because the pursuit was the money itself. So tonight I have four questions we're going we're gonna to discuss. And I'm going to be, I mean, I'm always honest. I mean, I'm not going to be front about anything. I'll just tell you what I'm struggling with, with money, my past, where we're at today. I'm not going to show my bank account on the screen or anything like that weird. But I'm going to be honest with you about, um, that would be so much fun just to see people's reaction. I should get like a fake one and be like, so the transaction, you know. Um, but no, t- I want you to know, um, my goal tonight is that you would walk away and you'd be like, that was helpful because whether you have $1,000 to your name, $100 to your name, I don't care if your parents are Papa Big Bucks and you got 60 grand just chilling in your account, whatever it is, you would say, man, I need to think and consider this not just at an intellectual level but at a heart level. So the four questions tonight. The first one is this. Does God want me rich? What a question. Does God want you rich? So it says in Proverbs 10, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. So, here is what you need to know. Um, There are two extremes when it comes to the Bible in most churches around this idea. There's what's called the poverty gospel. And they would take some verses out of the Bible and they would say, if you really love Jesus, if you really love him, you will sell everything you own. You will not own anything. You will live in a cardboard box. I don't know what they say. You'll, you'll live in a, in a hut somewhere. You'll sell all you have. You won't own a car. You won't own anything nice. And if you really love God, that is where the richness would become spiritually, that you would just give everything you have. That's, that's the extreme. I think that that is, a, that is guilt trip, um, unbiblical Bible teaching, Okay. I could unpack that for a few reasons, but not tonight. The other side, the other extreme, is what's called the prosperity gospel. That if you give to God, he is required to give back to you. That the more you put in the plate, the more God will put in your, in your pocket. That he'll give you more opportunities, that people will send you checks, that, it, that it'll just, I mean, it'll blow your mind. You, you pray to God, he doesn't want you to drive a piece of junk car, he wants you to drive a $100,000 car, right? The list just goes on. That is unbiblical, demonic, and I could fight against that all day, and it's not good Bible teaching. There's two extremes. I want to say that on the outset before I say what I'm going to say. A lot of people um, are not, and, and here this is true, all of us would be considered from a world perspective rich. Does that make sense? I'm not one of those guys that like, you have running water, you're rich, get it together, but um, it is true. You have the opportunity that most people don't have. I had the opportunity that most of you might not have, right? It just, it kind of goes down. We are rich in a lot of ways, but Proverbs teaches that wealth is usually a result of hard work. It's usually a result of hard work. It says in Proverbs 3, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats bursting with wine. It means abundance, that God will, will truly bless you. Now, I had this conversation with a man uh, last Thursday, and he is a, I mean, he is a business 
genius. I mean, this guy was like 18 years old, like running real estate before real estate was cool and everyone was trying to get in it. Like he is, he is, I mean, a big deal. He's a very big deal. And uh, him and I were having a conversation and actually, uh, I don't know if I should share that part, but we were, I know sometimes I'm processing as I'm teaching, which is weird. Um, but anyway, we were having a conversation and a lot of people will look at him and say, man, you're just so lucky. You're just so lucky. Like all that passive income and, you know, you just have all this stuff. And him and I just laugh about it. And I'll say, isn't it funny how, and I know the guy pretty well. He works probably 16 to 18 hours a day. And I don't even think he takes a day off. I'm dead serious. This guy is, is he's the definition of a grinder. And so anyway, and he's, he, he drives a piece of crap car. He's not into like flashy things. It's just he feels called. He's a Christian man, feels called to this. He just likes it. He, he enjoys it. He used to play football. Now he just does real estate and flips houses and makes a ton of money. Um, it's a game for him. And here's what is true. Wealth usually is a result of people who work hard. Most of the time. Most of the time, it's not a result of, man, they, they caught a break, and they, some of it is inheritance, but a lot of times it's like, no, they just work their tail off, and they don't make a lot of passive income. They just work really hard. And the people who look at someone with wealth or riches, from our perspective, they'll say, man, I just wish I could make that kind of money. And he was joking with me, and he said, but they don't want my schedule. They don't want my schedule. And really, it's not even about the money to me. But lastly, it's in Proverbs 13, 11, it says this, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. <laughs> Does God want you rich is the question I started out with. <sighs> it's a trick question, and I'm not going to like just come out and answer the question. He wants you, it says in James chapter 1, or James chapter 2, he wants you rich in faith. He wants you rich in faith. Does God need you to have a lot of money? No. He needs you to honor him with the money he's given you. And if you can't honor God with $10, why would he trust you with 100 If you can't honor him, if you're, if, if you're tapped out and you make 300 bucks a week and you can't honor him with 300 why would you honor him with 3000 It was Vernon Brewer, um, who's the president of this World, Mission, or World Help, and he said on a consistent basis he would pray that God would make those who give, the givers, richer. That God would just fill their pockets, and in turn, they're just honest. With, they're just, they just give it back to God, and, get, and it's not their bank account, it's, it's God's. God does not need you to be rich. What he needs you to do is to trust him and be faithful wherever he's given you. And it also, it's in um, 1, Samuel, uh, or 1 Kings chapter 3, when God approaches Solomon and asks him, what do you want? And he says, I want wisdom. And God says, I'm not going to give you just wisdom. I'm going to give you more riches than anyone's ever seen. Sometimes wealth just flows to people. They don't even work hard. A lot of it in one Proverbs, it's, it Proverbs, you looked at it, 1322, about inheritance. Some people are just given a lot of wealth. And for some people, it will ruin their lives. It will ruin their lives. People who get it hastily and uh, get big checks, and uh, they get everything paid for them, everything given to them, um, and, and I'm not knocking you if this has happened to you, it's just an illustration. If school was paid for you, a car was given to you that's really nice, you've never had to work for anything, everything is just given to you, um, it, can really, it can really harm you, because when you get it fast, guess what? It goes fast. 
But when you work and save little by little, it will increase. It will increase. Number, number two, second question. Am I greedy? I'm not asking you that question. I'm asking me that question. It says in Proverbs 28, 20, a faithful person will be richly blessed. Faithful. So someone who is faithful will be richly blessed. But one eager to get rich will not go what? What's it say? Unpunished. Means there's a consequence for that. And that says in 20, 28, 22, the stingy are eager to get rich and are unaware that poverty awaits them. This is the tricky thing about money. You see, early on when you start to decide, because most of you will make money decisions because of your parents or what you experienced in a home. If your parents overworked and they provided a lot for you, you'll say, I'm not going to be that way. I hated that. They were never home. We didn't go on vacations. My dad was not home, blah, blah, blah. You'll do the opposite. Or you grew up, maybe and your parents worked bare minimum. They just worked the 40 hours, and they said, I want to focus on family time. And you were like, well, how come we don't have a lot, and you can't provide for me like they, like they can? So then you'll say, when it's my turn, when I grow up, I'm going to make some coin because I didn't have what I wanted. It's usually a cycle that skips the family and picks up the next generation. It just, it just happens, not all the time, but most of the time. So a lot of us, greed is hard to detect. I knew a guy who made just over $40,000 a year, which, is, which was really good. He was providing for his family. He made decent money. He worked hard. Um, but this guy was as greedy and stingy as they came. You ever met someone like that? Every little penny was like life-threatening to him. Um, anytime you went somewhere, he was worried about the gas money and who's going to drive and uh, can't do this. And it, it just was, it was like it had him in chains. And then the guy got a raise and I remember him making like twice as much. And he was still that way. I was like, this guy is nuts. Like he can't even buy a bottle of water. Like he's worried about, you know, the, the dollar it will cost him. And, and I'm just giving illustrations, but greediness will, will not just affect you, but everyone around you. God doesn't want us to be greedy. He wants us to be what? Generous. So real quick, four signs that I am being greedy. These are mine. These are my confessions. These are not me, uh, you know, pointing fingers. This is me. The first one is this. I always have an excuse. So when I, and I've shared this a few times um, in different spots where I'm at, but when I start to sense God wants me to, uh, to give a certain amount of money to someone, what I'll do before I'm really sure, I'll just hurry up and try and spend it. You know what I mean? I'm not 100% that he wants me to give it to that family or to this person. And because, and here's usually what my excuse is. And don't judge me when I say this because I know you thought this. They probably did it to themselves. Have you ever thought that? Well, they're on the side of the street because they didn't, they decided not to get a job. Or they didn't, right? I mean, I could have 500 examples in my head. They did it to themselves if they would work hard like I did. They wouldn't be in need. And that is a prideful, deceptive heart that comes from the devil himself. When we have an excuse that will justify, because Jesus, every time he would give to the poor and help the poor, it was not him condemning the poor that they were there. 
It was him realizing they were there, meeting them where they were, and he would help them. A sign I'm being greedy is I always have an excuse. Number two, I don't have enough to give. So I would always have this weird, and maybe you're like this too, I don't know. I would have this weird conversation in my head. Once I get done with basketball season, I would, I'll, I'll make some more money and I'll give. Once I get done with college, now I'll have some more money and I'll give. Um, right, the, the, I don't have enough. I'll, I'll look at the tithe in a biblical sense as just 10%. And so the, actually, the Old Testament was 23%. Uh, yeah, that's, that's hefty. So anyway, um, 23%, but tithe itself means 10%. And even in the New Testament, when it speaks of tithe or giving, it doesn't give a percentage or a number. It's called grace giving. You give whatever you can. It's not about a percentage. It's about you and your heart trusting God. We'll talk about that in a second. But I, I played this card a ton. I have uh, two people in my life who have the, what is called the spiritual gift of giving. And the weird thing is about spiritual gifts is, if you remember we talked about it, if you have the spiritual gift of anything, you use it and it's easy for you. So, um, but if I don't have the gift of service, am I, kill, am I still called to serve? Yes. If you don't have the gift of evangelism, are you still called to share your faith? Yes. If I don't have the gift of giving, am I still called to give? Yeah, you guys are killing it right now. Give it up. No. Uh, right, you're, you get it. So I have two people in my life who have the gift of <clears throat> giving, and it is frustrating to no end. It is so frustrating. I'll share a story about hope in a minute, but my dad has this spiritual gift of giving. He doesn't see dollars and he doesn't see money. He sees a need. And it, I mean, it is mind-blowing. This guy doesn't give a rip if he, I mean, he doesn't care about money even in the least bit. It doesn't even, like, he doesn't see it. He told me one time, I, I was talking with him recently, and I was worried about some money things coming up. And he said, Mike, you want to know who makes a good bookkeeper? And I was like, who? Like, I was going to write, I'm like, who? He's like, God. I was like, <laughs> God, right? I put him, uh, he was like, God makes a great bookkeeper he's like why don't you just trust him he's like he's he's done me right for 40 years with my books and it's it's really incredible to watch because to him I'll say in the only time I wish I'm not gonna shoot I gotta say it now the only time in the bible where it says you should test God is when it comes to giving it's in Malachi 4 in the New Testament, it says you should not test God. In Deuteronomy, you should not put the Lord your God to the test. But in Malachi, it says to test him. Watch what he will do. And my dad got that thing tattooed on his, I mean, that's like number one. He's like, he's like test him. He'll take care of you. He's like, give beyond, I mean, my dad's wild. He's like, give beyond your means, and God will just provide your needs. He's like, he's like you can't outgive God because of how much he's given to you, which is so true. I mean, think about it. You and we don't think about this much. You don't have the shoes on your feet unless God gives it to you. You don't have the clothes you have unless God gives it to you. If you're a Christian or not, this is true. You don't have the car you have unless God decides to give you an opportunity. You don't have the job you have unless God gives you the ability to have that job, um, whether you're working with your hands or your mind. God has given that all to you, all to you. And he could ask for whatever he wants, but he doesn't. He could ask for all of it. He would, it was J.C. Penney who lived off of uh, 10% and he gave 90%. So 
I, I always will play the card, I don't have enough to give. And then God reminds me, that's a joke. That's a joke. Whether it's a dollar or five dollars or whatever I need to honor God with, if I have something, I have enough. Number, number three, I've said this, <clears throat> I don't love money, just what it provides. Right, right in the heart. <laughs> I'll say, I don't love money, man. I, I just like when it's there. I just like how it feels. It just feels safe, don't it? I just like when there's like a cushion there, what? Just in case. Which I'm not against saving or, you know, saving up for retirement and all that stuff. But I'll say, I don't like a lot of money. I just like what it provides. That's, for me, this is a signal when I say this, I'm probably being greedy. And then lastly is I definitely give more than them. Oh, yeah, you, thought, you said that too. That's why you're like, shoot. Uh, you'll look at other people, and you don't know this, but you're like, well, I heard they don't give, and, and, and I give. I help people on the side of the street. I, I give to my church. And then you'll have there, some pastors where they'll get busted. They'll say, well, I don't need to tithe. I just give my life. Right, 100%. Some people say, well, I'll give my time, but I'm not going to honor God with my money. And, and God says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, what does is, what is the proverb say? Trust in the Lord with all your what? Heart. So the question you and I have to ask is this. Do I trust God enough to let him be in charge of my money that's already his? Do I trust him enough? It's already his. Do I trust him enough? And the verse is this in Proverbs 28, 25. The greedy stir up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. When all of you, it, well, not all of you, 90, stats say 90% of you will get married. Yeah, 90%, believe it or not. Uh, clock's ticking. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, 90% of you will get married. <clears throat> Three things that you will fight with in your marriage. Guaranteed. Staple it. Um, you, can, you can put this down. You will fight about in-laws, sex, and money. That's a guarantee. You will fight with your spouse about money because the greedy, what, stir up conflict. Even if you're deciding about where to shop, you want her to go to Aldi's. She wants to go to Market District. <laughs> right? <clears throat> it's not a fight, I promise. Uh, <laughs> right? You, it'll, it'll stir up conflict. And you have to say, do I trust God enough? When I was, when I was little... And I started working for my dad, and I told you this up front. I had more opportunities than most people. At 11 years old, 10 years old, I, got, I was able to work and save. And here's what we would do. When we would get a check, or we would get our paycheck, it was still cash. We were under the table, obviously, because we were famous. I was like 12, you know what I mean? So anyway, <laughs> um, we had these things. You've probably never seen them. They're called envelope, envelopes. They're white. Uh, you can put things in them. You can close them. And they're really cool. You should... You should Google them sometime. Um, but anyway, I would have three of them. And it would say giving, saving, and spending. And the first paycheck I've had, I've shared this in a few different spots. The first pay paycheck I had was $12. I remember because I got it. I went to Subway. I was so excited. Got to buy my own Subway, the whole deal. And I remember that night, my parents were explaining in our house, my dad was so adamant about tithing. You had two options. You either tithe or you had to move out. So at 12, I was like, I got 12 bucks. So anyway, I would tithe. And I remember not wanting to put the money in there. 
I was like, but why? Like, our church is doing great. I can get money to those pastors. They don't even work. Uh, right? It was, I mean, come on, you thought it. Like, I, I said it, you thought it. That's half of the sermon. Um, so my dad said this, you what? Greedy sucker. It's not, none of this is yours. He's like, not, it, there was $12. He said, none of this is yours, Michael. He said, this is God's. This is God's money. He's allowing you to be a steward of this money. Do I trust him enough to, to let him be in charge of the money that's already his? Number three, why should I be generous? And we'll, we'll wrap up here shortly. Why should I be generous? It says in Proverbs 11, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give, should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings a blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. So you and I have to make the decision, are we going to live like this or like this? You have to decide in your own mind before you get paid what you're going to do with that money. And the reason this is so hard for you tonight, because a lot of you, you're like, give me a number. Give me a percentage. Give me a cause. But that's got to be between you, you and the Lord. It's actually in 2 Corinthians 9 that as a man decides in his own heart that God loves a cheerful giver. Not a reluctant one, a cheerful one. It says in Luke 16, if you're reading with our summer synergy plan, we are in Luke 16, and it says, Jesus says, if I can trust you in the little things, I can also trust you with much. And he's talking about money. And then he says, how will I trust you with, it says, true riches. And then he's looked at the Pharisees, and it says the Pharisees in verse 17, who were lovers of money. When I was last, I got a few more stories about my dad. I would work for my dad, and we were cutting meat, okay? And when you cut meat, you would be cleaning meat off of the bone, and then you would throw it in the barrel, okay? And then they, they would come, bone man would come and take the barrel away. And I would be, I, I mean, clear as day, 13 years old, cutting meat. My dad would be in there, and he would walk by. And the, when he would come in the room, you were like, crap. Because he would walk by the barrel. And he would look in the barrel, and he would go, he'd pick something up, and it had like the tiniest speck on it. It was like, Dad, come on, like, we got stuff to do. He would hold it up, and he would say, true riches. How can I trust you with true riches? And I was like, Dad, it's like not even like worth a penny. He was like, we should weigh it up and take it out of your pay. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is serious. Because <laughs> at least the lesson I learned as, as a young guy working that none of this is mine and I should be generous, not because God is going to give back to me. And he will. He will give back to you in different ways, but because it's already his. Two more stories. The first one just popped in my head. It was from a couple weeks ago. My, my wife leads a Bible study, and um, there's a, a bunch of, they're all young moms. They have a couple kids, and there's one family in particular who has, she has three kids, and the husband works full-time as a machinist, barely making, ba barely can make it, pretty much. And they have been discussing the idea of tithing for months. And she has just said, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. We don't have the money. We, literally, there's no way. We have three kids. He's working one job. I'm staying at home. We have tons of bills. I, it's so, I can't do it. It's not going to happen. So they didn't, I mean, some of you, there was no judgment. They didn't kick her out of the group. They just continued to talk about it. Hey, you ain't got to start with, I mean, just, 
Just start with nothing. Start with little. Just trust God with your money. And she said it was months after. This was just a couple weeks ago. She said she sat down to pay her bills, and she said didn't have a lot of the money they needed. She sat down and she said, God, I'm going to trust you. Been months. Wouldn't, couldn't do it. God, I'm going to trust you. She wrote all her bills. Before she wrote her bills, she gave a tithe. I don't know how much the tithe was, but she said, I trusted God in money that I didn't think we had coming in. She went to the mailbox. This is an old thing, too. If you're young enough, you don't know what a mailbox is. They're pretty cool. Uh, she put, put the stuff, put the checks in the mailbox, bills, and she closed it. On her way back into the house, her mom called her. Hey, I don't know what just happened, but someone, there was a, a check that came to my house that has your name on it. And I'm pretty sure it was the exact same amount that she gave. And she just started crying, and she called all the girls, and she told them. And it's not that God's going to do that every time, but it was God communicating to her, if you trust him, he will take care of you. And if you trust God, you might have stories like that. It's crazy. When you're generous, you'll be watered. You'll be taken care of. I got this verse highlighted in my Bible, and I have just my dad's name written right by it. It's dad. Right? That's his name, dad. Um, <laughs> because I, I've watched it my whole life. Last story, and then I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish up here. We should be generous because all we have is from God and available for, his, for him. All we have is from God. A couple weeks ago, I met with a church planner, a friend of mine, and I mean, they were, I mean, I got done talking with him, and I was like, he's on the grind. Like, he's hurting. He was, he was struggling. The church was struggling. They had just started out, and I came home, and I told my wife, I said, hey, I, I think we need to help him out. I was like, it's not it's not looking good. And he's in a critical decision. He's at a critical point right now with his church. It's a small church. And I said, I think we should help him. She's like, awesome, sweet. Go ahead and, and go for it. So I did. And then later the next day, she was like, hey, how much, how much did you send him? So I told her. I'm not going to tell you what it was, but I, I thought it was a good amount. And she was like, I thought he said they were hurting. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I, I mean, I, I, we ain't millionaires. I was like, what do you want us to do? And I told my dad that story, and he was like, she is a woman after my heart. You know? <laughs> and, and I just was, I was convicted about that, just because I was like, that felt like a lot to me. But she was like, I thought, Mike, come on. She was like, babe, they, they have a need. And so I was like, well, crap, now what do I got to do? So anyway... Moral of the story is, sometimes when we think of being generous, we think of dollar signs. How much? But when you're generous, it's not about dollar signs, it's about a need. Lastly, and we'll, we'll close up here, and this might be the most practical, honestly. Why am I so discontent? Any of you feel that? Why am I so discontent? How much will be enough? How much is enough? It says in Ecclesiastes 4, Solomon, this guy in Proverbs said, I saw that all toil and all skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. So you don't work hard because you need to. You work hard because someone else is ahead of you. He says, this also is vanity. A fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Not talking about cannibalism, but 
Better is a handful of quietness than two handfuls, two hands full of toil and a striving after the wind. It's better to have one hand and have enough than to have two hands and you're constantly digging. Eventually, eventually, you have to, <laughs> you have to get to the point. No problem, Claire. That was that was timely. You have to get to the point where enough is enough. Enough is enough. It says in Proverbs 30, and this is the last one we'll close on tonight. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not before me, to me before I die. Could you pray this? Could you pray this? <clears throat> Remove from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Have any of you prayed, God, please don't make me rich? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Feed me with the food that is needful for me lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. You see, the safest prayer you could pray is, God, if you give me too much, I'll probably turn into one of those guys who, or girls who's just all about money. They have no friends. They have no life. They're jerks. They're mean. It's all about them. They're 50 years old and they're miserable. And I don't want to be that. If you give me too much, I'm going to ruin my life. And God, if you don't give me enough... I'm going to ruin my life as well. Would you provide what I need? And he says, when you do that, he's going to give you exactly what you need. <clears throat> money problems are not really money problems. You understand that? Um, there's a story that Jesus tells in um, Luke 15. And the story he tells is a, is a reflection of him and of God's love for us. And he tells the story of two sons, and the first son, you're, you're all familiar, most of you are familiar with it, the first son takes all of the father's inheritance at a young age. He goes and he spends it, he gets drunk, he buys prostitutes, he does everything at a young age with a lot of money, what most people at a young age with a lot of money do. They, they run from the father. And he decides, it says in Luke 15, 7, but when he came to himself, he said, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I need to go home. My dad, I, I, my, dad, my dad has more than enough. He says, this is what I'll say to my dad when I get home. Dad, I'm sorry. I've sinned against you and God. And it says in Luke 15, when he comes over the hill, the father runs to him and embraces him. He couldn't even get his confession out. The father says, kill the fattened calf. Throw a party. The son is home. Because that son decided man, it's time to go home. I've been so unfaithful with my money and with my stewardship. I need, to, I need to go back home. And as the story goes on, there's the other son who's sitting outside of the party. And he's watching. And he's been a good steward of his money. He's probably tithes. He's been wise. He's been smart. He's been diligent. He's worked hard. And he sits outside and he says, Dad, you've never thrown me that kind of party. But what the son failed to understand was his invitation inside was always open. And for some of you, as we've talked tonight, you've been, it's revealed to you, man, I've done, I've either been really good with my money and I haven't brought God in at all or I haven't went into his, to his house or I've been really bad with my money and it's time to come home. The invitation is always open and God loves, loves when prodigals come home. He loves it, regardless of how you're coming. He doesn't care. He wants you to come home. And it says in Matthew 11 that he has a gentle, lowly spirit, and, and that's how he speaks to you. That it's, it's not harsh. 
It's gentle. It's not mean and rough. It's soft. It says the kindness of God leads us to repentance. And so as we close the series out, maybe you've never made that decision to follow Christ. You've been sitting as we've been talking through Proverbs, and you've never came to that conclusion. Why not tonight? Why not make that decision tonight? As we've talked about wisdom, wisdom is to push us to Jesus, who is the ultimate wisdom of God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Solomon and how much we can learn from him. I pray that the questions tonight were thought-provoking and helpful, and they ministered to us. Um, God, would you help all of us, myself included, when we feel better when we have more money, when we feel more secure when we have more money, would you give us the eyes to see that none of it is ours, and it is a false security? God, would you help us to honor you with our money? I pray anything I said tonight that was not from you, would it be forgotten? And God, everything I've said that's from you, I pray that you would help us to remember and apply. And God, anyone here who's not made a decision to follow you, they feel like they've been unfaithful with their money, and they've never never confessed Jesus as Lord and for forgiveness of sin. I pray they don't leave tonight without talking to myself or whoever they came with. And God, for those who have been good stewards of money, they've worked hard, they've been diligent, and they've never made a decision to follow you, I ask that you would... Help them to see even in their self-righteousness, no matter how good we deal with money, we are still in need of you. Would we be the people who say, be merciful to me, God, a sinner. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.